Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on? You know, we're recording this on... Uh... We're recording this early in the week, and the uh, Mariners and the Yankees are about to start up a series here soon. And the Mariners took two out of three from the Yankees in New York last week uh, for the first series win the Mariners have had in New York since 2016. So, Bill, Yankee fan, how are you feeling as they're coming into the relatively hot Seattle, whatever you want to call it? It's not certainly not a scary place to play, but how are you feeling as a Yankees fan with them on a skid? Sorry, did one of you just say something? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, Matt Filipovitz is also here. Matt, what's going on? Uh, Speaking of baseball, I was looking at tickets because the Phillies are coming to Wrigley the absolute last weekend of the year. Um, So it's like September 30th through like October 2nd. So it's going to be 48 degrees. It's going to be pouring rain. And I can... And I can go for seven dollars, so I will probably be doing that in a couple months. Oh, Pay, paying money to watch the Phillies play defense in the rain sounds just miserable. Listen, the Phillies are going to finish above five hundred, and even in the expanded wild card, because this is the most cursed organization in professional baseball. You're a Mariners fan, Nick, so I can't really. You have, mm. You're the only organization with a longer playoff drought than the Phillies. Um, no disrespect, that's just facts. Uh, I can't even talk crap because the Phillies are terrible. Uh, but they're going to miss the playoffs being over 500 because the Brewers or the Cardinals are going to get in the way. So now I'm even more angry, even though we just got done talking about the running backs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks, we are uh, we are recording several of these uh, together at one point. And after the, uh, what, what, let's call it the Valley of talking about Penn State's running back room, we're going to a relative peak talking about Penn State's groups of pass catchers, Penn State's wide receiver and tight end rooms. Of course, one guy left from the wide receiver and tight end rooms. One one notable guy left from the wide receiver and tight end rooms, and boy, what a guy it was. It was Jahan Dotson, 91 catches, 1,182 yards, and 12 touchdowns last year. Easily the best player on Penn State's offense. He's gone, but Penn State still has – I don't want to say an embarrassment of riches, but they have a ton of talent returning. Chief among them, Parker Washington, last year, 64 receptions, 820 yards, four scores. Seems like he's primed for a huge breakout year. That's crazy and, for wide receiver, too. That's crazy mm-hmm. for, that for is a, a Penn State offense. Yeah. Oh, if you if you want to talk about crazy numbers for a wide receiver, too, just you wait. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Brenton Strain, Theo Johnson, all coming back from last year, looking to build on what they did Last season, Nittany Lions brought in some talented wide receivers in this recruiting class, namely Caden Saunders, a four-star number 55 prospect from just down the road from me in Westerville, Ohio. Uh, Some other uh, true freshmen in this room, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Ivey, uh, all guys who are on scholarship, some returning dudes who didn't get a ton of run last year. Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford, Malik Mega started getting more run last year uh, towards the end of the season. Jaden Dotton is number one, another one of them. Uh, also, Omari Evans didn't mention him among the true freshmen. And then Penn State's 
probably its best transfer and not named Jordan Stout that it's had over the last few years, Mitchell Tinsley from Western Kentucky's basketball on grass offense. This guy was the number two wide receiver at Western Kentucky, and he caught 87 balls for 1,402 yards and 14 scores because Western Kentucky was stupid in the best I'm, I'm sorry. Are, did I, did I just witness some Arnold Evacati erasure? I, I, I'm, I, you're learning what I think about Mitchell Tinsley here as well. <laughs> wow. I, I think he is going to be a stud, neither here nor there. Nick, we will start with you as we have on all of these podcasts so far. What are just your general thoughts on the wide receiver and tight end rooms that Penn State has as is entering this season? Yeah, just, you know, talent everywhere, right? I mean, I I think one of the things that we kind of do every year, and we did it for several years in a row, trying to figure out like who Jahan Dotson was like most similar to of like past Penn State receivers that we've seen, like Deshaun Hamilton, Chris Godwin, and Al Robinson, all those guys. Parker Washington, that is, he's his own dude. He is he's unlike anything. One. He is unlike. I mean, I I guess you you could kind of paint a picture similar to Chris Godwin if Godwin had played exclusively out of the slot. I think he would have maybe looked a little similar, but he is, he's his own animal. Like he is a really like, you don't realize how good he is until you, I don't, I don't know if you, you, you like, he's maybe you never realize it. Like he's, he's just so under the radar and he's, but he's just so excellent at everything that he does. Like he's a great blocker. He catches everything thrown his way. He's, Last year, he really started to show more uh, open field ability. Not that he didn't show any, um, not that he was like Mm -hmm. ever, not that it was ever going to be surprised that he got to that point, but like he really like, as the year went on last year, like really took some steps forward there. Um, But he is like maybe the most underrated receiver in college football, honestly. Like there's a lot of receivers in college football, but he is just absolutely fantastic. Um Mitchell Tinsley, like you said, comes from a video game, video game offense. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, should be a great guy to stretch the field. Also, I remain a huge Keandre Lambert Smith believer. Um, I still think that he can be a really, really good player. And he showed flashes last year. Malik mega gets it's clear. So I, I think one of the things that we've done a pretty good job of over the years is when the staff clearly shows an affinity for someone uh, kind of us as like a roar lines or entity have always been like on board with saying, all right, yeah, I mean, if they're, if they're hyping them up this much, then they must be right. And Malik mega is someone they've been hyping up for like three years now. And you can see it in spurts. Like you see, you, you saw it in that long catch and run against Rutgers, obviously. Um, but you can see like, he's just such a physical presence that I, I, I still, I don't really have a good sense on what his role is actually going to be. But it's clear that they see him as a valuable piece of the offense. So excited to see him. If I may, Nick, like you don't see a lot of guys who are 6'4", 220 and have like some element of top end speed to that. Like they talk about Malik Mega and, and, you know. And he came in at that size. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to happen with him, but like they talk about him the way that you know, they were kind of hoping to talk about a guy like Juwan Johnson. And yeah, yeah. I think if you were talking about 
just the physical profile of a true number one wide receiver. He has it. I don't know if he'll put that all together. We'll see. But uh, Matt, heading over to you, um, what are just your general thoughts on this wide receiver and tight end room? It's got to start with P-Dub, man. Like, he, that dude is a running back playing wide receiver. He's 5'11", uh, what is he listed at, 215? Or 5'10", 215. That's a running back in pretty much every era of football outside of this one. So he is great with the ball in his hands and, and great in space. And for a guy with how small he is, he can go up there and high point the ball, and he makes some pretty acrobatic catches. So I have it pulled up right here. He has 100 catches. Um through his first two seasons at Penn State, which is the most ever, I'm sorry, second most ever, yeah. trailing only Deshaun Hamilton. And it's the most yeah. ever for a guy who didn't redshirt. Like Hamilton took that redshirt his first year. So purely, strictly first two years on campus as a whole, no one's been better than Parker Washington. So I'm looking for a big year from him. Uh, like you, Nick, I think Keandre Lambert-Smith's a guy who just has got to put it all together mentally. Like he has all the talent in the world, but, you know, he's so close. He is, he is just... I think making one explosive play away from becoming a, a huge downfield threat. I love the Tinsley addition. He's not going to put up the numbers he put up in Western Kentucky because that, that was a video game. That was just unfair. What, you know, Bailey Zappi and those dudes were doing in conference USA. Um, but the guys behind everybody else, I, I think Malik mega, you know, they don't make too many like Malik mega. And similar to what I said about Christian Bayer on our quarterbacks podcast, I think he was underrated because he was doing that to dudes up in Quebec. Like, what was the talent like he was going up against? And it looks like that athleticism is starting to transition down now, you know, as he takes on Division One talent. So I think he's a really good option as the fourth guy. And I've been high on Jaden Dotton for a long time. I think some guys just takes longer, but early reports seem to show he's putting it together a little bit more. And then who knows what you're going to get out of Harrison Wallace. He's probably the best athlete of anybody, you know, maybe not the most, you know, physical freak, but former basketball player who can really go up and get the ball. And, you know, Liam Clifford, Amari Evans, um, you know, Caden Saunders, Tyler Johnson, whatever you get from those guys, Anthony Ivey is just gravy. So it's a really talented room. And, and I'm really excited to see, you know, how Cliff can spread the, spread the ball around. Stronger yeah. Saeed Blacknall, Malik Mega. That's what I've learned. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good comparison, Nick. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, I mean, Saeed Blacknell had, uh, had a couple of really nice moments. He had a ball um, game in Naptown. That, that he did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, my, my thing with Penn State's wide receivers room is I view it as basically it ha or wide receivers room and tight end room, for that matter. There are just so many bites at the apple here that if you're basically asking me, okay, let's, let's pencil in – Parker Washington for a season where, you know, we'll put him at 75 catches for 900 yards and six touchdowns. We'll, we'll give him something conservative like that. You then need to tell me that if you want to replace Jahan Dotson's 91 catches, 1,182 yards, 12 touchdowns, you need steps forward and progress from, it, you know, not even including Tinsley. I need one of Keandre Lambert Smith, Caden Saunders, uh, you know, in the event Caden Saunders or Tyler Johnson, Anthony Ivy, Amari Evans, any of the true freshman play. Jaden Dotton, Malik Mega, Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, and, you know, we'll throw Jerry Cross in there as another guy, just talented true freshman. 
You mean to tell me that none of those guys are going to be able to get better as football players and they're not going to find more creative ways to get them the ball from Sean Clifford, who is in his billionth year of college football. I like that's what excites me so much about this wide receiver room is it's so many guys who have played significant snaps for Penn State football that you're bringing back. 34 catches from Keandre Lambert-Smith, 20 from Brenton Strange, 19 from Theo Johnson. Malik Mega only had three, Tyler Warren only had five, but they're guys who have played football and understand this offense. And then you drop in a guy like Tinsley, who, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Jahan Dotson or anything like that, but coming in at six foot one at 206 pounds, a good physical profile for a wide receiver. If you watched what he did at Western Kentucky, he is a dog. He is a guy who is going to really challenge secondaries, whether it's taking the top off of them, whether it's having an element of physicality to his game. I just think there is so much in this room. There is some that is going to be on, you know, I don't think Taylor Stubblefield has too terribly much to show us. I think tight end coach Ty Howell has a bit to show us. I think Mike Yurcich has a bit to show us in terms of utilizing the talent that he has in his tight end room, he had a quote this offseason uh, two days ago, actually, media day, on Theo Johnson. He is very fat. He is fast and very long with Theo. He has continued to get better at the point of attack in the line of scrimmage. Very unique tight end plan to utilize that. It almost seems to me like last year, that first year, was a lot of, we have Jahan, we're going to figure out the rest as we go along. Now, if things go right, I would knock on wood, but my dog is laying at my feet and he will start to get a little bit concerned that someone's at the front door. Knock on wood, they're going to start figuring out better ways to utilize all of these guys. And Matt, I think that's really important because our next question here, and probably the most pressing question, is just how does Penn State replace Jahan Dotson, a guy who you know, I think has a really strong case for being the best wide receiver in program history? I mean, you don't replace him. You, you can't replace. That's you can't right. ask anybody to replace that guy. So you, this is the. I used a poor word by saying you can't replace him. You can't replace him as an individual or with one individual. That's just unrealistic. Like Jahan was absolutely unreal. I, I think you make a good point, Bill. He might be the best receiver in program history. He he really truly does have a case for it. So how you replace him is, is through getting a bunch of different guys who all do their own unique thing very well. Like you get Washington in space, he's going to make guys miss. You hit Lambert Smith deep, he's going to be able to find the end zone. I, I Tinsley can pretty much do it all, or at least he could at the Conference USA level. And he was probably mm -hmm. a draftable prospect. And the idea that a draftable prospect didn't go to the draft and instead went to Happy Valley is really exciting to me. I don't think, you know, we're going to see that a lot in the transfer portal era. So this is a very unique season on that case. So you replace him by just getting all your guys the ball. And I don't think you need a top dog in this pack. I don't think that's realistic. Um, I'm not asking for the 2019 LSU team where it was Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Terrence Marshall. But to say you can't mix it up and, and have three dudes play a similar kind of offense and then have uh, Theo Johnson be the Thaddeus Moss of the group, I don't think that's unrealistic. Uh, again, I'm not asking. Oh, I, I would love 2019 LSU, but say, I'd like to put on record that I would be I, totally yeah, cool with yeah. that. Yeah, I'd be cool I with was, that. I, same. But like, I, I think that's more realistic than 
one dude taking over and like catching like 95 balls. I think, you know, splitting that, that amount up is like 2019 LSU did is probably the most realistic path we have going forward. Yeah. And uh, Nick, same, same question to you. Like, do you think they're, how does Penn state replace Jahan Dotson? And then we'll even take a step back and answer it the way that uh, Matt did, which is can does Penn state replace Jahan Dotson? Yeah. So like Matt said, obviously it's not like, it's not just you, you don't just put someone in the lineup and expect to get the same things that Jahan gave you. It's not going to happen. Um, but you know, recreating his production, I don't think is out of the question. In the, at all. Aggregate. I mean, you, in the aggregate, you add Tinsley in and that's obviously going to be a nice chunk of production you get from him. You expect to step forward from Parker Washington. You expect to step forward from Keandre Lambert Smith. I'm expecting a big step forward for Theo Johnson. Personally, I I'm going to be distraught if they don't continue to use that, uh, double wide set where they have the tight ends on the line and then a receiver stack behind them. And they would bounce back and forth between using them as like screen blockers. And then sometimes the tight ends would go out for a pass. That was such a cool set. I hope they go back to using that. Um, But I think Theo Johnson is going to have a really big year. I think Brenton strange could too. I I think Brenton strange still has a lot of talent, but I think Theo Johnson is ready to be kind of become the next the next dude at tight end for them. You're, you're, but, you're hoping he has the Mike Kosicki breakout when Mike Kosicki exactly. was, uh, you know, Mike Kosicki's first year or two in happy Valley. Like he did not look like he was going to be anything special. And then once he kind of found his footing and once he had an offensive coordinator who understood how to use him, which, you know, kind of time will tell on Mike Yersich there, he broke out and was a mashup nightmare. Right. Third year yeah. bump. Candidate. I, so yeah, like I, so it, you know, similar to Matt, like it's obviously it's not going to be one guy. You can't, you don't just replace Jahan Dotson with another, like there is no cookie cutter mold for Jahan Dotson. Like he was his own guy and there will probably never be somebody quite like him again. Um, But there is absolutely the talent to recreate the production that he provided the offense for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. And let's take a quick time out uh, to talk to you about, our pod's new sponsor, Homefield Apparel. If you are a college football, college basketball, whatever fan on the internet, you have probably seen people talking about Homefield Apparel over the last couple of years. If you are not one of those people, one, God bless you for finding this podcast, but two, Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate apparel brand. They are based out of Indianapolis, die in the wool, Big Ten people. Uh, they are, they've been friendly with Penn State people over the year. There was one time in uh, 2020 when I got mad at them, but we're not going to talk about that. Their shirts are very comfortable. Their shirts are unique. They take the time to make sure that the things that they make make you feel closer to your school, have been made aware of how their process works. They're going through so much stuff to make sure that the shirts that they make have that strong tie to your alma mater. And guys, don't want to give too terribly much away, but we've gotten a chance to check out a couple of the designs and they're fire. I will just say, I love what they are putting out here. Like Penn state's not an easy school to come up with stuff for Penn state's brand is boring. One time they put names on the back of the football jerseys and that was a bridge too far for some people. But having said that Homefield still managed to make this collection really special. And right now they are, 
in the middle of their annual launching of new schools event called Big New Saturday. As you can guess, this week, Homefield announced that Penn State is going to be its newest school. There are 15 pieces of apparel in the collection. It launches at noon on August 13th. And we got ourselves a special promotion for the new customers out there. You can use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all uppercase, one word, and you will get 15% off of your first order. Again, for new customers, promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all uppercase, one word, and you will get 15% off of your first order. And Penn State fans, they track their sales. They make sure that they give a little bit of love to programs to fans of programs as they move up on their single day sales list. And right now, Florida's number one. I think Penn State could potentially topple them, but it's all going to come down to making sure we buy shirts, crew necks, hoodies, whatever else they have in this collection. So if you are a Penn State fan and you are a new customer, Homefield Apparel, promo code Roar Lions, Roar, one word, all uppercase, 15% off of your first order. Let's get back to talking about wide receivers. Nick, I will start with you. A very simple question. Who's the guy you're most excited to see in this wide receiver room? Hmm. That's tough. I I think Parker Washington, you know, cop out answer, but um, like I said, like I, I think he might be legitimately the most underrated of course, that's easy for, easy for me to say as a Penn State fan, but if not, maybe maybe saying the most is a little um, is not quite accurate, but easily one of the most underrated receivers in college football. Um, he's just like we like Matt talked about. He's he's a running back playing. He's he's like Debo Samuel. Like he's not as big as Debo, but he yeah. the way he goes over the middle of the field is similar to the way that Debo Samuel plays in that area of the field. Um, and he's, he's just fun to watch. Like he, the way he goes up and gets the ball, the, the way he's, he's so physical when he has it in his hands and he's so physical running routes too. Um, but he also has elusiveness. He also has quick twitch. Like he's, he just does everything. Like he, he's, he's a bowling ball playing wide receiver and it's just fun to watch. Yeah, Matt, same question to you guy in the wide receiver or tight end room, uh, that you were most excited to see. I'm going to go with Tyler Warren because I, I really like the Tyler Warren package. I think they need, they used it out of necessity a lot of the time last year. I think with any luck, they can use it this year as like an actual big play fun threat and not like, Oh God, we can't run the ball two yards. So I think Warren's a really interesting prospect from everything that we're hearing out of camp. He's really come pretty far as a blocker and, if Penn State's offensive line is not good, they're going to need help. And I think that puts Warren on the field more than, you know, might normally be the case in a lot of other years. And he's just a really good athlete, man. I think he's a guy you can have a lot of fun with, get him to throw the ball a little bit, you know, get him to run the ball. Him, he, yeah, excuse me, he made some good catches last year. He made some good contested catches. Yeah. He didn't catch a lot of balls. I think it's like two or three, but, you know, they were both five hey, catches this- for 61 yards and a score. Yeah. I, but he showed, hey, I can go up there and get it. So, He's an intriguing prospect. Also, he's he's kind of unknown, and and I like the unknown um, aspect of, of a lot of guys going into the fall. So give me Tyler Warren as the guy I'm most excited to see. So I hinted at this a little bit earlier in the pod, but boy, am I excited for Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, I think that, yes, it was a product of the offense that he was playing in. I, I believe Bailey Zappi set the 
uh, single season college football uh, passing yards record as the quarterback of Western Kentucky last year. But no matter, even if it is a function of the offense to have the ability to put up the numbers, he did 87 catches, 1,402 yards, 16.1 average yards per catch. The only person on Penn state, two people on Penn state's roster had that yards per catch number. One was Malik mega who caught three balls for 78 yards and had 67 yards on one of them for 26 yards per catch. And then I don't remember what happened here, but apparently Curtis Jacobs caught one ball for 18 yards. And yeah, Jordan Stapp threw it to him against Michigan. Oh, that's right. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I blocked out all Jordan Stout plays that weren't punting or kicking. Holy hell. I forgot about yeah, that. Jordan Stout tried, uh, and then, he, yeah, Jordan Stout tried. And then they tried to make him throw it again on the nope, same nope, drive. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> what were we doing? And yeah. Yeah. 18. Yep. Last year's offense had some problems. Uh, so, yeah. Tinsley was putting up those kinds of just absolutely bonkers numbers in that offense. Adding on to that, as anyone who is aware of uh, Sean Clifford and Mitchell Tinsley's uh, living situation is, it seems like the two of them, I believe the two of them are roommates and they are already building up a rapport from that. Oh, they're housemates. Apologies. Uh, If you did not know see this uh they had a little bit of a tiff because mitchell tinsley has multiple pet cats and sean clifford is a dog guy like just the the two of them already have a really great rapport or it seems like they already have a really great rapport maybe the whole cats and dogs thing is going so to what lead if they to actually play. hate each other then you know what one of them isn't going to be living in that house for much longer but <laughs> having said all of that that chemistry you know, you can, can't totally build it up outside of the football field, but it seems like they're doing every single thing to do that. And I think that's going to pay off. I think that the best way to use Parker Washington is as a slot guy, is matching him up against, you know, not number one cornerbacks because he, just his ability to get open is something that is so much uh, so much more effective when you're not going up against a team's cornerback number one every single time. And I think Tinsley is the kind of guy who could take on those battles, open things up for Parker Washington, for Keandre Lambert-Smith, whomever else they throw out there. And I think he can respond by putting up really big numbers and having a really special season. They gave him Jahan Dotson's number. Like, I don't think they're doing that sort of thing unless they're high on the guy, but who knows? So... I think Tinsley's in for a really big season, but we've seen it however many times in college football. A quarterback, just something starts clicking with him and one pass catcher. We don't know who it is. So, Nick, I will start with you on the last question that I'm going to ask on this podcast before we do our little sign-off. Fill in the blank. If one guy is going to come out of nowhere and surprise us in the wide receiver or tight end room, it will be blank. Does Malik Mega qualify for this? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I kind of like my other a cop out answer, but he's the one. It's that not a cop seems, out. Uh, yeah, he's the one that seems to be the closest to uh the one that's closest to breaking out that is not, you know, an already established starter. Like he He's like we talked about. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He looks like he could be somebody who could be an absolute monster if he puts all the pieces together. So I, I think if someone's going to break out, it, it almost has to be Mega. 
honorable mention to Tyler Warren though. Okay. What uh what do you think, Matt? Um, I'm going to go with Jaden Dotton. I, you know, some guys, I mean, Meg is the obvious answer. He's going to get the first opportunities. And then I think, you know, Trey Wallace is up there as well, but some guys, it just takes long. And, and I've said a million times in this podcast, I'm a firm believer in the third year bump and Dotton from the early reports in camp seem like he's starting to put it all together. I think he's a guy who can, you know, kind of have a reserve role in the slot. I think if Washington needs a breather or if, you know, God forbid he gets banged up. I think Dotton can slide in there and make some good plays. I mean, how much stock do you put in the blue-white game? But he caught some good balls there. He, he made it. It was the first time we really heard his name in about two years. And I know one of those years was COVID. And one of the years he was behind, you know, Jahan Dotson and some older guys who got reps ahead of him. But in terms of guys nobody's talking about, Dotton could be a guy to come in there and catch, I don't know, eight balls. Seems pretty good for if you're the fifth or sixth guy. And Maybe he makes one of those into a big play. And and I'll take that from a guy who seems to be kind of forgotten on the depth chart right now. So give me, give me Jaden Dotton. I am completely shocked. I'm going to be the only guy who says this. I know who you're going to say. Yeah. I know who you're going to say too. Who do you think I'm going to, who do you think I'm going to say? Saunders. Trey Wallace. Who do you, you're both wrong. I'm talking about literally there is one guy in this wide receiver room who has been building up chemistry with the starting quarterback for 20 years. Oh. oh. <laughs> Liam Liam Clifford, like, he's not just Sean's brother. 24-7 Sports had him as a four-star recruit. And he's like, also he's a, his business partner. Also his business partner. <laughs> a business partner whose list of scholarship offers included Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State, Kentucky, interest from Ohio state. Like he's a good football player. He's a guy who again has a longstanding relationship with Sean Clifford, one that's far longer than anybody else. And you look at his skill set, and what he is, is he is a six foot one, 196 pound wide receiver who has good hands might not be the kind of guy who takes the top off of the defense, but could be a really reliable pass catching option. You know, kind of like what we started to see with those early glimpses of Parker Washington uh, during the 2020 season, where 36 catches, 489 yards, six touchdowns for Parker Washington. You know, maybe that over the course of the entire season for Liam Clifford is what his ceiling is. But I think he is a talented guy. He is a guy who fills a role where, you know, other than Parker Washington, they don't really have that kind of guy who they can have go over the middle and be kind of that safety valve unless the tight ends really, really get used that way, which I think would not be using them correctly. And he's a talented player. I think he is a guy that we are sleeping on a little bit and could end up having a really nice season again with Mitchell Tinsley with Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith and the tight ends being those top tier guys among Penn state's pass catchers. So I'm excited for this room, you know, Nick, I'll let you go. Then I'll let Matt go with any final thoughts uh, before I wrap this one up. But I think this is going to be a really, really fun but this is probably going to be the most fun part of Penn State's offense is this group of pass catchers in my eyes. Yeah, I, I love this group. Um, I think my final thing will be that it's it's not going to happen this year, um, but I am really, really intrigued by Amari Evans. Um, I really, I'm, I'm always a big fan of kids that 
played quarterback in high school, but are just such good athletes. Um, that, you know, and Amari Evans wasn't going to be a college quarterback, but they're good enough athletes otherwise to be able to go to a place like Penn State to be a wide receiver. Like that kind of athleticism, I think you just can't teach. Um, and those kids are always fascinating to me. So it's it's not going to be a this year thing, but I think long term, I think Amari Evans could definitely be a guy who greatly outplays uh, his recruiting ranking. Yeah, and Matt, we'll go to you for your final thoughts. Yeah, just because I want to make sure we don't forget about him. Uh, Trey Wallace, I think he is, you know, like I yeah. said, maybe the best athlete of the group. And, you know, I think he has a lot of learning to do. He's still pretty new to football. He was a basketball guy for a long time. So, but in terms of, hey, let's throw it up there in the end zone and see if a guy can make a play. I think Trey Wallace has an opportunity to be that kind of guy. So I think there's value in that. Um, and I'm curious to see exactly what kind of role he plays in year two. There's still a lot of football ahead of that guy. I feel like it, it seems like he's been around longer than just a, a freshman year. And that's just because of how much hype he got from the spring game. So I'm excited to see his development continue. So what you're saying is you expect Trey Wallace is, you know, his storyline to play out similar to, uh, Oh, I forgot his name. The kid in season four of Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. That they pull off the basketball court. Oh, I play wide receiver. What you're talking about? Yeah, forget his name. Yeah, no. They pulled a guy off the basketball court in uh, We Are Marshall, and then he caught a touchdown pass, and he wore glasses. I remember that. Is that similar? The Friday Night Lights movie is really good. Anyway, thank you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. As always, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast wherever you go to get your podcasts. Make sure if you are purchasing things from Homefield Apparel you and are a new customer, you use promo code ROARLINESROAR, all uppercase one word for 15% off of your first order. And one last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For Nick Pollock, for Matt Flipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.